Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi and welcome to another episode of 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I, Giles Bitter, speak to musicians and comedians about the weird and wonderful on-the-side jobs that they've had before they went full-time.
It's the second episode and we've got a pretty sweet guest for this one, comedian Dane Baptiste. You've probably heard or seen him on Live at the Apollo, 8 out of 10 Cats, Mock the Week and that sort of thing. He's a top quality name in UK comedy and for him to do this sets a new precedent for celebs on the show. Somehow I was able to get him round and yeah, talk about the shit he got up to before he became a full-time comedian. So here we go, Dane Baptiste. Signature Brew is the official beer of 101 part-time jobs. You became a comedian quite late on. Yes, yeah, yeah. How old were you? 30-ish. Just, okay. before, no, just before I turned 30. Because the idea was like, my biggest fear at 30 would be to be like unemployed and living at home and not having a family or being single. And all those things happened when I was 30. So I was smashing life, <laughs> as my mother says. Well, I'm paraphrasing. She said something involving smashing, but it wasn't to do with life. Did you quit your job? Yeah, and I did it like Jerry Maguire style, as in I literally said, fuck this, I quit. And not a lot of people get to say that. And also, I was saying, fuck this, I quit, to somebody that was previously on The Apprentice, which makes it all the more sweeter. Can we get a name? Yes, Naomi Lay, now called Naomi Han. She's on Twitter, look her up. I think she does something on QVC. I don't know, I kind of only focus on terrestrial channels as far as my television appearances. I don't know what Naomi does with herself. Teddy shopping or some kind of local newspaper. Maybe she has a blog, who knows. Well, was, it in, was it on like the floor plan? Was this in a private office, the fuck you? It was in a private office, but this was with open windows, so everyone could kind of see me gesturing, like, fuck you. Like, if there were anyone who was like, orderly impaired in the office, they'd be like, Dane is very, very angry. I'm gonna turn up my hearing aid and hear what happens. But no, it was, it was, it was, like, it was like a sustained thing where it was kind of a sustained campaign of just, what I call menstrual harassment. So, Naomi and I have a similar age. I knew when Naomi was coming on because she used to get menstruation acne, so she would break out and her face would get bloated and then she'd come in with like cakes and then just go crazy at me. And that's when I always knew when she was about to come on. And she'd be like, I want those fucking figures in a hot water bowl day now. And I'd be like, I'm not sure all of that's in my description. What were you doing? Uh, I was doing ad sales, but I was like an agency exec. So I used to talk to like media buyers and planners about campaigns and then when you go on YouTube and you're looking at a video you want to see and then there's a video you don't want to see before that, I would sell that space to uh, automotive companies. That's funny. Have you seen that come into your career now? Do you think Yeah, that? like pre-rolls, yeah. And I just think I just think about how I serve the devil and um, yeah. Pre-rolls? I know someone different. That's a different name for someone else. Well, yeah, but no, not, not the good kind of pre-roll, the boring kind of pre-roll. But um, I mean, it's it's good. I guess it was it's good so far as understanding how digital marketing works. Yeah. And then how much I distance myself from it. But had you worked your way up into that role? Yeah. I worked in media sales, and sales is something where there's not. I mean, you can get promoted and stuff, but most of the time, if people just move laterally, or you just move in order to promote yourself to a different company. So yeah. the labour turnover in the sales industry is very high. So. I did bring up a promotion with my management and that's when it all just went wrong. It was like they were almost insulted that I asked for a promotion. But I actually had good stats to justify me wanting a promotion. Uh, you but had then, your Google Analytics. Like, hey. No, what happened was in the end, my, man, my line manager, so Naomi was my manager, and then my line manager, who were, I imagine was born with some form of testagina, so half testicle and half vagina, and that's not me saying that he was born as a transsexual, he just had both. I think his wife had insisted that he take some of her vagina and her last name, but that's another story. 
but he remained rather idle while I was being kind of persecuted by management. And then when he was up for redundancy, then he presented these statistics, which actually revealed I was doing my job very well. And then he was like, this, this has changed. It's all about your mates and it's not meritocratic in this office. And I was like, yeah, but I brought this up a year ago and you didn't care. I did write in that job, but it's just, it's, yeah, sales is just a numbers game. And I just didn't yeah. like the idea that working just doesn't really seem very meritocratic or that efficient just to keep doing the same thing until you kind of get a breakthrough. And, I just, and, and also it's just the uh, perpetual to need to continue to sell and do the same thing because you're never going to go into a sales office and see a statue of somebody who did something so good or achieved so well that they commemorate him every day. Like with sales, it's like, you know, inflation. It's going to happen every year. It's going to go... The cost of which is going to go up every year, and uh, nothing really changes. Yeah, it's boring. So it's so boring. I mean, you need you basically need the patience of a drug addict to do sales, and that's why a lot of people in sales have to do drugs because it's like begging at a desk. Yeah. So it's like you know I don't look down on people that are you know homeless or transients because I was doing much different. You just yeah. have to keep asking random people the same thing, and it's the same as cold calling yeah. and get this trinket of money in order for you to get your fix. Yeah. And then you go and do the same thing again, and I'm just like, ugh. So comedy can have its ups and downs now, but I just, I guess I got to a point industrially where I was just like, I would rather not know what's going to happen every day than know exactly what's going to happen yeah, every day a yeah, week. Absolutely. So there's, there's a depleting of enthusiasm that comes with that, I think. There is, and, and, and also just, it's just that, and then I guess my eyes just became open just in terms of like what's considered industry in the UK, particularly I guess the economic centre being London. And then the majority of jobs lying within the uh, tertiary or quaternary industry in, in the service industry are kind of like, I just have a test whereby I gauge the importance of jobs on a post-zombie apocalypse model. So if we have a zombie apocalypse or a nuclear holocaust, touch wood, then how useful or how transferable will your skills be in the new world? And I feel like, you know, People will say comedy is the hardest job to do. I feel like in a post-apocalyptic or post-zombie apocalypse world, I don't know how useful my skills will be, but people need their morale to stay up in order to survive. Absolutely. So that's where I they come in. They need to laugh. They need to laugh. They need someone that's creative just to keep their minds distracted from the, from the shit and the fallout and, you know, the lack of drinkable water. Whereas, sure, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's a good rule. Whereas working at a desk or being like a chocolatier, in our current economy, that's fine, but... We're not going to really need a, a chocolate engineer when the zombies attack. So I guess it's how I gauge the importance of certain jobs within society. I mean, what was your first job? Like, were you at college, school? Uh, my first job was a paper round. Right. That was my first job. And uh, also didn't go that well. So I used to deliver a paper called The Mercury. And um, I had to deliver 156 papers every Thursday. And before I delivered them, I had to uh, put flyers in all of them. And sometimes you get up to like five different flyers of like Chinese restaurants and all this stuff and then you have to fill them all in individually and then you deliver them. They ask, so you get them all on Wednesday, you put them on the papers and you deliver them on a Thursday. And I mean, number one, working in papers at the time was bad because the ink runs and I was pretty sure I was slowly giving myself septicemia because I had so much ink on my hands. You on a pedal bike? No, not even a bike. I've got like a trolley, like a, a geriatric lady trolley. And then because of the friction of dragging it around of my neighbourhood. Oh, these like plaid, plaid ones. Yeah, well, no, it's like, it's like a leather one. And then it's like, no, or like top. And then you put all the papers in. You can't fit them all in, so you can fit like a hundred in. And then you have to, um, and it has like a little rubber thing, but that just like scraped away. So basically, as I was going down the street with this trolley, it sounded like nails on a chalkboard. Or just the Grim Reaper was carrying his side. And that's how, yeah, it was terrible. And, um... It wasn't as bad a job. Well, it wasn't. It was very not a cool job. So if I'd see like 
girls and stuff, you know, just pulling and trolleys. Like you're either shopping for your nan or you just got a very boring job as a newsboy. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was hard at first. I didn't know how to fold the papers properly. <laughs> then I worked out to do that. And then you get like the really like yappy dogs, like the worst toy dogs. And this goes, it's a very interesting thing about mammals in that even short dogs, like small dogs, are the ones that hype the most on the other side of the door. So they'd always bite it. And sometimes if I got annoyed, I was in a bad mood and it was like a Yorkshire Terrier or something, I'd hold onto the paper and they'd shred it and they'd be like, and I'd be like, you can explain that to your only piece of shit. <laughs> so it was what, what came next after that? Well, that, I left that job because they wouldn't let me take time off to, for my mock exams. And then also my mom found like a shitload of flyers under my, ba- my bed, which I hadn't been putting in the papers because it yeah. just took ages. And I was supposed to put them in a recycling bin at some point, but I got sloppy. But the way she reacted, you'd think she found a kilo of coke under the bed. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to go to prison. I'm not going to go to prison because Golden Dragon didn't get to give out their flyers. They're like, they'll do it next week. Anyway. Did you go um, college? Did you go uni yeah. after college? So I went to so after college. So I went to Sixth Form College. And then Sixth Form College, I worked in Iceland. Nice. That was a great job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great job because where I live, most people went to Sainsbury's. And yeah. Iceland was just a little more laid back. And it's very, yeah. very relaxed. You could wear trainers on the shop floor. Yeah. And, you know, you're dealing with frozen food. You don't have to interact with people because I hate... Number one, interacting with people, and also I hate preparing food. I don't hate preparing food. I can't be bothered to prepare food yeah. for other people. So like, yeah. I couldn't work at Sainsbury's because if I ended up on a delicatessen counter, yeah. we're gonna have problems. Too many ingredients. I think one woman got caught trying to steal a turkey, but posing as a pregnant woman, and then she got caught. Legend. Yeah, and another guy got caught for stealing turkey dippers. Someone else got caught for trying to steal gattos. But I had to explain to her that you can get the lemon and chocolate gatto in the buy one, get one free offer anyway. So there's no need for this behaviour. <laughs> yeah. And then there was just a lovely uh, transgender lady who will come in um, on Saturday evenings and buy herself her turkey dippers and stuff. But she's coming every weekend. So it was cool. Very nice, relaxed and liberal environment. That's how I liked about Iceland. So yeah, it was nice. And then I uh, and then left college, went to university. And then my first job at university, I was working in another shop up north called Home Bargains. Okay. It took a few years for people to see home bargains here, but again, I liked it. it. kept me grounded. It was like, I felt like, you know, like someone who like, would have been an assassin in a past life, and now just wants a quiet life where no one's going to recognise him and no one even looks up and makes eye contact with you. And that's what I liked and about home And you've got the same furniture as and everyone it's all, else. Exactly. Everyone's the same. No one bats an eyelid. And that's what I liked about home bargains. <laughs> it was just nice and relaxed and, you know, and no one from London had ever heard of it. Yeah, So nice. that was fun. And then when I went after home bargains, and then... I had a brief stint working for a temp company. Uh, so what I would do is between semesters, I'd work for this temp company and got to work with basically immigrants that were, who had just crossed the border and oh, were barely legal. And it was fun. Like, they didn't care about our names. We were just referred to as the help. Yeah. And um, as long as you had a bank account, you could work for them. Oh, and so I, work, I used to work at like, I was a busboy at Blue Water. So yeah. you know, you go to food courts and stuff and you leave a trace and stuff. I'd be the person that would clear it up and... Or the leftovers? Yeah, well, if you want. I'm, I wasn't that partial yeah, to the leftovers, but if you wanted, you'd go for it. But this was like a time before like Five Guys and yeah. Nando's was that big, so it's like, I don't, you don't want to eat cold McDonald's and stuff. But that was, that was a cool job. And um, again, because, you know, again, it helped me with my favourite things, like keeping my head down and not having conversations with people or my colleagues. I mean, most of my colleagues were like Senegalese or so, probably didn't speak that much English anyway, apart from onions and more hot dogs because yeah. then I also worked at Charlton Football Ground oh really you're a Charlton fan no not at all so it was perfect for me yeah. I had absolutely no interest in Charlton what were you doing there um, working in a kiosk so uh, nice. give people like pasties and 
and make them hot dogs and burgers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then every, and just, you know. I like Charlton fans. I like Charlton fans, and Charlton fans like onions. Because <laughs> every time I'd be there, someone would be like, we need more onions! Where are the onions? And so you have to look. And then the only type of difficulty you get from well, football fans is so if you give them bottled drinks, you have to take the cap off so that they can't fill it and use it as a missile. Because yeah. apparently when people are upset at football games, they pee into bottles and throw them at football players. Yeah. So, but then you'd have to explain why you couldn't give it to them and they'd be like, well, what's wrong with that? I don't, you, mate, what's wrong with you? You think I'm going to take my piss and put a bottle throw it at somebody? What's wrong with you? And then, well, then my husband's not going to do it. And it was, so that would go on. And also, it was quite cold and sometimes mm-hmm. would kill. So if you've got like beer and stuff in your hands, it'd be freezing. And then they'd accuse us of stealing the beer. And they used to be one that our supervisor would be like, I've heard that some of you help are opening yourselves to this beer. If that fucking happens, you'll be back to where you came from. And I was like, that's probably not okay. But I don't imagine this company has any human resources. Turns out he embezzled like 40 grand for the company. Uh, so that was... Motherfucker. It's always the people that point fingers. Right, exactly. So, yeah. but he, you know, I wasn't there to judge. It was, yeah. it was an interesting job. And I remember coming home from work one day and me and my friend used to work there and we were on the bus and like... He was like, these are some weird jobs, man. I guess when we tell the story, it'll be funny one day. And I was like, mm, yeah, maybe. I don't know. And he said this to the guy, and the guy was like, yeah, man, I know what you mean. I've got weird jobs as well. Then he lifted up this cloak, and he had a fucking owl on his lap. An owl? Yeah, in a cage. He was like, yeah, collect owls, mate. I was like, okay, well. He was flogging them, flogging owls. And I don't know. He was looking after it and stuff, but he was just like, yeah, it's my owl, mate. And I was just like, well, I guess one day I'm going to tell these stories again. Well, there so, you are. Yeah, so it was like, yeah, exactly. And it was yeah. a good job. And then my next job at university, I finally, I was working at William Hill. And I, I like that job. That's a bit more, it's, it, I, I feel like there's less sketchy characters hanging out there than Betfred. Uh, yeah, I think, I think there, I think there like some kind of hierarchy like Ladbrokes and William Hill and it's, Coral. It's the market, kind of one it's, level, it's the deep yeah. blue, it's the navy blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's smart. It's a bit smart, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit more or less. And, and also people get to wear uniform there, but... It was a fun job. I mean, was that good money? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, it's good money. It's good right? money. You can ask me about money as much as you want because no. after I, after work, there was just a whole period whereby like whatever was in my wallet was all I had. Yeah. So I've learned to survive on a satsuma and a scone for like twelve hours. So you can ask about money. Yeah. Because now, like, I, I'm grateful to say I make money from doing comedy, but I went so long without money. I don't know what to spend money on nowadays because yeah. I just gave up things like hobbies. I was like, well, like my friends with computer games and stuff. I'm like. Mah. Yeah, couldn't afford those yeah, yeah I'm just yeah, trying yeah. to make enough money to put petrol in the car and stop yeah. my mum calling me a failure every week so yeah, yeah. those are my main expenses on my phone but I digress But so William Hill was a great job and uh, I definitely recommend working in a betting shop again because it's my favourite criteria in a job do you learn much? about betting? yeah don't do it that's what I learned it's like I guess like when people work in like do you know when you go to like a nice restaurant and you think people must love it here imagine the people that work here they must get free food they must love it here and they're like so miserable because by the end they're like I just don't give a shit in the same way that people are, when you're a kid you think imagine working at McDonald's you get free McDonald's that'd be amazing and then people that work at McDonald's are like I can't go near this food mm-hmm. I applied for a job at Ladbrokes and it took a while for them to get back to me and I needed work because I had started my second year at uni and it got so bad I was like oh man I can't believe it. I was going to work in Burger King that's how desperate I was for work and I'd also applied to William Hill and as I was walking to Burger King to get an application for William Hill ran me back that's, that's a good string of jobs you got there. Yeah, no, loads of jobs. I mean, in my house, as soon as your national insurance comes through, your parents stop loving you and don't care. Yeah. Basically, my mum was like, oh, don't be needing this heart of mine. Right, don't get a job, you piece of shit. So, yeah, from like 15, had to have a job, had to work. And, and also, when I moved, I went to uni up north, and I'd say one thing about northern people, when I was, because I was like a teenager, like 18, 19, and everyone I knew had a job. Everybody, yeah. everybody had a part-time job. Whereas when I was in London and I was going to sixth format grammar school, 
and my friends. I was like, what are you guys doing on the weekend? They'd be like, we'll be hanging out in the park and crushing up paracetamol and putting it into hot chocolate. What about you, Dane? I'm going to be working. Working? How can you work? We're studying for A-levels, Dane. It's like, well, because my parents have turned their backs on me and I don't get pocket money, so. Yeah. But yeah, William Hill's a great job. It's, it's good. I mean, at first it wasn't so great because I was slowly going towards having lung cancer because you could, this is when you could smoke indoors. Oh. And basically, yeah. working in a betting shop is like sucking an exhaust pipe. Yeah. yeah, so that was crazy. And but it's nice, it's just quiet. And uh, depending where you go, like there's certain parts if you're in inner city London, then people are quiet and they kind of leave themselves, keep themselves to themselves. If I, I used to work around the southeast and like the Kent area, so sometimes if people do really well, you get tips where they'll buy a round of like cans of drinks and buy you soft drinks and stuff. So it's, it's, it's nice. Or you work in central London, people are friendly and stuff, and they'll give you tips every now and again. Um, so it was interesting to watch, but what put me off gambling? other than working there and seeing how very sad it is to see someone be there all day, was there was a guy who did a, I think he did like a £1.50 Greyhound accumulator, and he won about four grand. Joking. Yeah, and, I was, and I was like, why am I wasting time in university when I could be blah, 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 blah. And then my manager just looked at me and was just like, we'll have it back in a year. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, that's sobering. That is sad, isn't it? It is very sad. That was very sobering, so... Mm. Yeah, kind of point of gambling. So I, I don't really, I don't really, and I just didn't know about it as well. And I just felt if I get into it more, and I don't want to be around all this money and all these safes, if I have, if I get into gambling. And then mysteriously, as I began to leave William Hill, because I would work in different shops around the southeast, and mysteriously, within like a week or two weeks of me leaving a shop, it'd get robbed. There'd be an armed robbery. That more than once. Yeah, there were four times. So they thought it was you. I don't know. I mean, the fact they didn't think it was me, because to be honest, that's suspicious. Given, yeah, I mean, I could I very easily been casing the joint, so it was massively suspicious. But I was expected because everyone just thought like, when I worked part time, like my basically output, like verbally, you, like people were like, he's like, like Forrest Gump. He barely talks and he just keeps himself to himself and is very polite. And uh, so I'd either be like a very an idiot savant or a yeah. serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> this is, to be very introspective. People you got to look out for. Yeah, someone you'd have to look out for. Like if I did kill somebody, they'd be like, it would be like he's so quiet. We wouldn't have suspected him. Uh, it was, it was. I mean, as in my my demeanour when I was working part time, especially at William Hill, was like so simple. My manager would sometimes send me home before it got dark because he thought I was that simple. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.